Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Atlanta Business Radio. This is your producer, Stone Payton, and this afternoon we have a very special episode of Capital Club Radio brought to you by the good folks at Flock Specialty Finance. Please join me in welcoming our host, Mr. Michael Flock. How are you, man? Fine. Thanks, Stone. appreciate the uh, opportunity to uh, be with you this afternoon. Um, again, Flock Specialty Finance is a company that finances uh, companies that buy bad debt, distressed debt, and also offer uh, uh, credit to subprime uh, consumer uh, lending companies. And today we are honored and uh, excited to have one of the leaders in the, the debt buying market with us, uh, Rich Monroe, uh, who's been in the industry for, I think, a couple decades almost. And he is the kind of founder and CEO of Resolution Services Group. Um, Rich is here today to talk to about uh, talk to us about how he has built a, a, a very exciting and uh, profitable tax lien purchasing business. So, uh, Rich, uh, welcome. And could you tell us just a few things about yourself and how you got into the whole debt buying industry, and then how you kind of got into tax liens from from what you were doing originally in the credit card space? Sure, Michael. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to the Capital Club. Uh, this is uh, 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 very exciting to be involved uh, with uh, with this interview. Um, I, I um, got started in debt buying and collections industry back in the late 80s, early 90s, back when uh, the RTC took over the SNLs and much like what happened in, with the recent recession. And basically started with a company that uh, started with 20 employees and uh, acquired some portfolios through the RTC auctions. And that, that was really the beginnings of the debt buying industry where a lot of the banks at the time weren't selling a lot of uh, consumer debt. Uh, so that I grew with that company to about 300 employees over three years and uh, we went out to develop relationships with all the banks and uh, put in place a lot of uh, what we call forward flow agreements to purchase receivables once they became a certain uh, stage of delinquency and uh, went on to do that throughout uh, till 2002. I uh, left that company and started my own company, partnered uh, with another gentleman that had more of a legal background and legal strategy. And we went on doing the same type of business, uh, acquiring mostly credit card and auto uh, consumer debt and putting it through a collections and uh, litigation process. And what were some of the lessons learned from that experience? Um, what were some of the, you know, the challenges that you had and opportunities that uh, helped form you as a leader in this industry? Well, you know, obviously with uh, the consumer protection uh, that's, you know, at the forefront of everyone's minds right now, a lot of the laws and regulations that regulate uh, the collections process were developed back in the 70s. So it... it, it um, uh, prodded me to kind of get more involved uh, with the industry associations and uh, was a board member of DBA International for 10 plus years and became their president. But in do through that process, it allowed me to work very closely with state regulators, with uh, attorney generals, consumer uh, offices, um, the Federal Trade Commission, the OCC and the FTC, and, and really uh, working together to 
inform and make sure that we are all adhering to the rules and regulations as we go through the, the process in dealing with consumers uh, in the collections process. And so a lot of the challenges were, uh, you know, meeting with these folks and kind of coming through and, and, and having a seat at the table to talk about how do we make things better and how do we change and how do we improve uh, on our environment. So I've worked very closely with that process and it allowed me to kind of be able to see things um, before they came down the pipeline, be more involved with uh, actual laws in each of the states that are, are pertinent to the debt buying and collections process. Well, yes, uh, we know that the uh, regulatory environment right now is particularly challenging in this segment. Um, what what other uh, challenges or obstacles did you encounter along the way when you were getting started? Well, it's it's very similar to um, what I would say most businesses have as challenges, and that's people. Uh, developing the right relationships. You know, as, as a debt buyer, we would uh, outsource a lot of the uh, portfolios that we would acquire to other companies that have certain expertise in certain areas and certain types of debt, um, and along with uh, developing relationships with many attorneys across the United States to not necessarily, you know, putting a, a strong litigation strategy, but finding out what the, the situations were with each consumer and being able to work out arrangements that they're comfortable in and being able to, to make. And so a lot of the challenges we faced were, uh, over time, uh, developing these networks of, of agencies that we, uh, again, with a strong uh, area of making sure that they were compliant and adhering to the laws. Um, same thing with the attorneys. And and uh, what we found is, is obviously... Uh, the ones that you're able to develop really good relationships with and, and long-term uh, strategies are the ones that were more, more successful in, in, in helping us grow our business. So the kind of people that, I guess, worked with you, plus, I guess, the people you outsourced the servicing to were critical to uh, building the business. What about investors, uh, those people? That, Absolutely. That, that, that's also an intricate part uh, of the debt buying business is to make sure that you've got capital and funding uh, to be able to, to continue to acquire uh, portfolios um, uh, through, through the marketplace, and which really is the kind of the, the drive of the business. If, you're not, if you don't have the capital and the funding to make the acquisitions, then you don't have a business. Um, so the same thing there. We, we uh, over time, had, been, had developed relationships with different capital providers. Flock Finance is one. Uh, or over the over the last uh, ten plus years, and um, we found that it's uh, same thing there uh, to join with a partner that's able to understand the asset classes that we are going into. Uh, every time that you acquire a portfolio, there's a due diligence process that's involved with um, pricing, and uh, a lot of the the lenders that we've dealt with in the past, including Flock, have the expertise there on staff to kind of help. Uh, and kind of give a second set of eyes uh, when we're going through that analysis, which is extremely helpful. Um, so same thing there, relationships with, with lenders, I think, has been uh, a key to, to some of that success, too. Yeah, and that's one thing we've learned also, that uh, you know it's not just about a transaction, because yes, you have to be profitable, you've gotta make your numbers for your investors, but at the same time, it's the people. Right, that both the, uh, on your team, your investors, and what about the people that are the creditors from whom you buy the debt? How about those relationships? No, it, absolutely, uh, equally important uh, to make sure it's it's. We, we viewed it more of a um, not necessarily a servicing a, a, agreement, but you know when you acquire a portfolio from a, a creditor, 
it, that it doesn't end there. It's really where the where it's the transaction starts because there's a lot of interaction with requiring additional information on those accounts that were acquired. Um, working with any uh, issues that come up along the way for uh, accounts that uh, had slipped through that need to be worked through for disputes and, and fraud and things of that nature. So it's a continuous um, you know, interaction with that creditor. Even, even though you may have bought the account several years ago, you're still interacting uh, with the organization. And it's important, obviously, to keep that intact. Um, the, the creditors show um, or look at the debt buying industry as kind of a, a, a fixed solution for being able to... Um, move away from things that they're not, you know, focused on. They want to focus on originating more accounts. They don't really want to focus on accounts that are in the collections process. So uh, it's equally important for them as well to kind of develop those those relationships with with different organizations. Right. So, okay, we've talked about relationships with people. We've talked about capital. Uh, what about technology? And if I'm not mistaken, Rich, I think you were also involved along the way in developing uh, collection related technology that I think was important to getting the liquidity that you and your investors were expecting from the debt portfolios that we were buying. Is That's that right. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, back in 2002, when um, we uh, formed Capital Financial Group and I partnered with uh, Jim Curry, uh, we also looked at different technology solutions. At the time, uh, there wasn't anything that was specific to a debt buyer that was acquiring portfolios and kind of uh, outsourcing and managing that process. And uh, rather than kind of using two or three different solutions, um, I um, partnered with another gentleman that's uh, Willie Harris, and, and we formed uh, Pimsware. And it was uh, ba basically a custom solution for the debt buying and collection space. Uh, that's still out there today and serves a, a lot of the different debt buyers and collection agencies uh, in the industry, as well as they also have a dollar solution and some other things that are that are pretty slick. So what's unique and special about PIMS, and how did that differentiate you or help you achieve your uh, liquidation goals for, the, for your company? Yeah, basically it allowed us to look through it um, through our lens in terms of, you know, a lot of the solutions that are currently out there are very specific to um, third-party collection agencies or companies that focus on collecting the account uh, for a, a client and a lot of the reporting that's involved with that process, uh, or uh, solutions that are specific to collection attorneys that manage their litigation process uh, in, in a lot of detail. Uh, so it was good for us to be able to take a step back and say, well, you know, we've, we've got the technology, we've got the experts that can make the solution, um, and build it basically from scratch to say this is this is going to be good for from a debt buyer's perspective. Right. Plus, I assume you were making money then off the software because you were not only using it, of course, but you had other customers too. That's right. So you had another business that, uh, you know, this is cool, Rich. I mean, you got people, technology, and capital. Uh, sounds like a Harvard business case study. <laughs> um, but we all know things are never perfect in this world. Now, tell us about some of those sleepless nights that you must have had along the way. Uh, it wasn't all, you know. Well, absolutely. I, it's it, it goes back to uh, everything, uh, especially in the debt buying space, because we, in addition to acquiring portfolios, we did a lot of portfolio sales as well. Um, and in doing so, we got to learn a lot of the players in the industry in terms of who specializes in, in which region and which state and, and what type of debt. Um, so a lot, a lot of the things um, that kind of caused those sleepless nights 
are when you've got a transaction that it's not done until the deal is signed and, and, the, and the money has been transferred. So a lot of those transactions, even on the buy side and on the sell side, um, had a lot of peaks and valleys. But I think what's happened or what's really assisted over time, it goes back to relationships. You know, if you've got relationships that, you're, that you've been doing business with folks for 15, 20 years, and uh, you've got that trust factor there. It's really just a formality to, to get the contract done and, and, to, and to get deals done. And um, we've been very uh, fortunate to be able to continue to do a lot of those transactions with uh, folks we have uh, long-term relationships with. Mm-hmm. And what were, what were the common denominators in those uh, transactions uh, for success? I mean, what were the, you know, the, 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 the key factors that made for a successful transaction. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's the win-win, right? So the person buying and the person selling, it's got to make sense for both of them. And um, it's, it's not, decisions aren't necessarily made on price mm-hmm. or on, on um, you know, how much revenue you can generate. Mm-hmm. It's more based on what's going to make sense for both parties involved. Mm-hmm. And what were then the, the factors of failure when, when some of these deals, and they all didn't go perfectly, uh, we all know that. So what were some of the seeds of failure in the transactions that didn't close? Well, um, you know, I think it, because the marketplace has, even though we weren't able to get certain deals closed, ultimately at some point we would find a solution for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't really think of, well, I mean, there there are some outliers from that where you basically don't have someone that's got that as a niche for that type of inventory and you're, you're just not able to, to, um, to sell it through the, the regular sales process. And we, we do have some instances of that occurring right. um, because you, you, you're not going to have someone out there that fits every little um, you know, part that's different to aspect that's out there. Right, right. So we started the conversation about how you got into the debt buying industry but uh, obviously the industry has evolved in many different shapes or forms in the last 10 years or so. And then you've also kind of changed your business model a little bit, migrating from the traditional, as you said, the charged off credit card and auto deficiency markets. And now you're into uh, tax liens. Could you kind of tell our listeners how you got into tax liens? And Yeah, absolutely, Michael. So th- this is probably, this initiated probably about four or five years ago. And a lot of it stemmed uh, personally from looking at, um, you know, my retirement fund and my investments and my own personal money that I had invested in the stock market and looking at other alternatives um, out there. And and tax liens happens to be uh, one of those vehicles that you can actually use your Roth IRA uh, or your 401k retirement plan to do investments directly into tax liens. I I didn't know that. That's right. So that's really where I initially got exposed uh, to to that market, and basically started um, s- similar like I would do in the debt buying space, seeking out you know who are the players in that market in in, in, in Georgia, um, who are the successful servicers and 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 the folks that have that experience, and in doing so, I uh, reached out to I was introduced to John Ayub but Ayub and Mansoor uh, here in Atlanta. And uh, at the time, they were uh, um, they they were had multiple clients that they helped with the litigation process for acquiring tax liens. So I had some initial meetings with John, and he kind of walked me through the process from start to finish. And I took some of my uh, investment money and went out and tried it. And probably over the course of a year, acquired about seven to 10 properties. 
Um, and through that, learned the process. You know, each state for tax liens is very, very different. Um, you know, for the audience, you know, what we're talking about are delinquent property taxes. When uh, the county and city governments don't have those payments coming in, they've got to run the government. The school's got to keep open. The firehouse's got to keep open. So that in order to keep the revenue coming, they will sell those delinquent taxes to investors mm -hmm. um, that basically uh, get a penalty percentage for anyone that would then pay those taxes thereafter. And in Georgia, it's a 20% penalty rate. Mm -hmm. And in over 12 months, the property owner has the ability to redeem uh, the property and, and pay the property taxes plus the 20%. And if they don't, um, then there's a series of other notices that need to occur and the property can be foreclosed on at that point or you can work out other arrangements with, with the original property owner. So you make money two ways then, right? Either That's right. from the, the taxes or you know, a gain on the, the, the property if it's foreclosed. Correct. Right, right. Is that true for all three states? Because, uh, Rich, you're in um, Georgia, Maryland, and now Washington. Is it similar in all those three states? Uh, it's very yeah. similar. Uh, you know, slight differences. Maryland is six-month redemption period at 18%. Um, D.C. is a four-month redemption period, I believe, um, also at 18%. So, what I've found is uh, across the United States, there are some states that the redemption period may be four or five years, mm -hmm. um, and the penalty rates may be much lower. So it it just uh, it was you know just by luck I guess that right. I'm in a state that has a more favorable rate compared to some of the other states uh, in, in in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, also I think what's common uh, in these remarks, just um, based on what we've observed as your uh, as your lender, that. Uh, uh, the, there's an importance of local knowledge, local expertise, because you're competing, right, with other buyers. Could you comment a little bit about how you have developed that uh, expertise and knowledge in these local markets and how you're able to win deals in local markets? Um, I think because I think you've got a few partners in these markets that help you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we we have uh, a team of folks that actually help with the inspections prior to the auctions that we go to. And, um, you know, much, much like the debt buying uh, industry, there's a due diligence process that needs to take place. And prior to bidding, you need to know exactly kind of what you're going after. Uh, is the property um, vacant? Is it occupied? Uh, what kind of neighborhood or what kind of area it's in? And it, it is, <clears throat> in the Atlanta metro area, it is a very competitive market. And uh, in, in some cases and in some counties, uh, the bidding process goes up to similar to like a foreclosure auction where you're at a very high uh, percentage uh, of market. Mm -hmm. um, but as you go into some of the other counties in, in Georgia, it's a little bit less competitive. And, and I've kind of been able to kind of maneuver in certain counties and, and, right. and see where we're, we're able to be successful. But the key there is is being able to know prior to going to the auction, you understand exactly what it is you're you're bidding on. Right, right. And you've got local attorneys that are working with you, of course, in each one of these markets. Yes. As well. I met one of them, I think, recently at one of our meetings, and uh, he's had several years' experience. I believe it was Maryland. And That's right. right. So so after starting in Georgia and, and after making the decision that, that this was a business that I, that I thought would uh, have some potential, um, I also started looking at other states, and, and Maryland was kind of the first one to branch out to, and um, basically the very same type of model you know, going, reaching out to folks that are already in that industry or have been in that industry that have direct experience um, and have a good understanding of what the opportunities are in the market. Uh, so I was introduced to uh, Todd Malden, who has, had been working 
uh, for a bank client there for some 10 plus years and had been in, in that industry for quite a while. And um, we started last year with, with our first uh, portfolio acquisition. And in Maryland, they do the auctions on an annual basis. So they have thousands and thousands of properties in each county that they auction off in, in May, June, and July. And uh, we were pretty successful last year, meeting, uh, being pretty close to our goals, and same thing this year. And I think that's going to be a market that's going to continue to grow. Um, through Todd's experience, um, you know, basically forming a partnership with him and tapping into some of the legal experience there regarding you know, what happens uh, when the people don't redeem and to put, put the property through the foreclosure process. Um, is is something that's very key, and it, it mm-hmm. kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with relationships and and tapping into those folks that have that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so not unlike what you how you started in the traditional debt buying market, and credit cards. You've got key relationships with key servicers that are helping you, you know, achieve your goals, um, which is obviously essential in local markets, which are more maybe heterogeneous rather than homogeneous. So. Um, that's why I think they're even more important. We like it as a lender because it's uh, kind of capital. Um, these are deals that typically banks wouldn't finance. And so, you know, we think it's more fun to be in an underserved, fragmented market. And I think that's probably, as a debt buyer, your experience as well. So Absolutely. Not, yeah. I think I think that's where the, you know, the higher risk, high reward comes in at regarding, um, you know, being able to, to dig in and, and do the research and um, go in, not going in there blind, but going in there with some some track record and some history and, and being able to um, go after seg- segment strategy and, and, and be successful at it. Right. Now, let me ask you about another set of relationships in the tax lien space that you're in, meaning relationships with your investors, because the if I'm not mistake, mistaken, the curves, the liquidation curves for tax liens are totally different. Uh, much more lumpy, and you don't get a lot of your uh, profits and big cash flow until at least you know, 18, 24 months or more uh, with tax liens as opposed to credit card where usually you get, I don't know, 30 40% of your cash right up front in the first 12 months. So how do you deal with investors? Like, I mean, do you have the same investors? Are they different investors? How, how do you explain this to them? Well, it... It's a, definitely an education process because it's a different um, cash flow than most investors, uh, especially in the debt buying space, are accustomed to. However, uh, it, it's it's it, when you cut it down to its simplistic form, you know these these investments are backed by real estate. So at the point that you acquire a tax lien certificate or a tax deed, you're basically the the name uh, on the property as the deed holder is that legal entity that does the investments into into these assets. Right. Um, so you're from an investor's perspective, you're basically protected from that perspective out of the gate. And like we've talked about earlier, there's two different exit strategies. You're either going to get paid back from the original property owner or anyone else that's got interest in the property plus a 20% return. Uh, in Georgia, or you will go through a foreclosure process and um, end up taking the property, and you can either wor- do a workout with the the current property owner if it's still occupied, mm-hmm. uh, or if it's vacant, you can. Um, you know, our current exit strategy is to sell to wholesale buyers that will invest in the property and rehab it and and mm-hmm. make it a rental property, or potentially, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, flip it out there. And you know, everything that we do. From that perspective, in our eyes, is basically taking a, port, um, a home that someone's abandoned, that's vacant, that's not paying property taxes, and now 
being able to walk away from it as uh, a much better situation and, and either being a rental property or a property that someone can live in and, and at the same time right. making a lot of these neighborhoods better better off than they were before. Right, right. So you've been in the tax lien segment now for a couple of years. What what have been your some of your biggest um, moments of joy and biggest moments of, uh, let's say, anxiety or disappointment? Well, you know, the biggest parts of joy i mean it's a lot of these are live auctions uh-huh. and um so when you go into an auction thinking you know first of all with, with tax liens and anyone that's in this industry knows um and it's very similar in the foreclosure space too you might have a, a list of 100 properties a month before the auction and you do your work you do your due diligence and it comes time the day before the auction or several days before the auction now you have 10 properties left off of that list of 100 so guess what you know, the, all the work that you put in, mm-hmm. it's going to be limited to the 10 that are left. Mm-hmm. Now, even though the morning of the auction, those 10 are left, you mm-hmm. might have mm-hmm. um, other aggressive bidders that have those same 10 properties on their list that are going to outbid right. you and right. have a different strategy. Right. Um, so you may, you may walk away from an auction after doing a lot of that work with acquiring nothing. Nothing. Um, so, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of the, the anxiety kind of comes from that. And in, in any auction environment uh, to this day... Yeah, but you knew auctions, though, from the credit card world, right? Absolutely. I mean, so some of that was similar. Some of that was similar. But this is different because well, there are more players and it's more public? Well, in the, in the other auctions that I participated in, they were a little bit more predictable in terms of what you were able... You know, a lot of different lots, and you were able to kind of bank on getting a consistent uh-huh. part of the volume. It's it never really was kind of all or nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you you very rarely in those situations walked away with nothing after putting in a lot of the uh, legwork up front. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the main difference. Yeah, but also I think it's a totally different environment because sometimes these auctions are literally on the courthouse steps, aren't they? They're on the courthouse steps, and and there's a lot of um, uh, smaller investors, mid-sized investors, there's institutional investors as well. Uh, there's there's some large public companies that play in the space on a on a national and regional basis. Uh-huh. And, um, a lot of times their their play is they don't necessarily want to end up with the real estate, but they want to make sure they can get at least a 4 or 5% return. And, right. and doing that in, in each county, in each state, mm-hmm. they can get very aggressive aggressive with the bidding process. Well, right. But I've also heard, too, that the city governments uh, in some places are able to, because uh, they want to get paid. They want their taxes. And so I, is it not true that some of the cities like to... Um, Use this as an incentive to force the um, the groups that aren't paying taxes to pay their taxes before the the uh, lien is actually sold. And so sometimes what happens, I've heard, is that uh, at the last minute on the courthouse steps, you can be bidding on a deal, and then in another wing of the courthouse, the the actually uh, the actual property holder could be paying the taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and from the county's perspective, they don't really, I mean, if the if the property gets paid, that's kind of their end game. That's what they're after. Exactly. And uh, in, in most cases, what you described is true. I've even had instances where uh, we won the property at the auction, and uh, it, there's typically a couple hour window where you can go get certified funds to pay the exact amount for the properties that you that you uh, were successful with. Right. Uh, and within that two hour window, I've had situations where we've gone back into the tax commissioner's office with the cashier's check and within that window of time someone came in and paid that property and it's uh, no right. longer a, a valid sale right right 
Now, a few minutes ago, you were saying you you, you kind of got into this. You were looking at your retirement plan, and it surprises me that a young man like you, having so much fun in this space today, is even thinking about retirement. But uh, what is it about then the this particular investment that you would put this into your retirement plan as opposed to, you know, uh, charged off debt portfolios uh, that you were doing before? Well, I, I clearly. And, and at the time, I wasn't necessarily comparing it to the debt buying uh, um, strategy. But if you're looking at, you know, your 401k, you're looking at stock market, but just bank accounts, CDs, whatever you can invest in, bonds. It's very difficult to find, uh, especially in Georgia, to be uh, at a guaranteed 20% return. That's not. It's not even annualized. So if the property owner pays you two months later, yep. you're getting 20%. Uh-huh. It's not an annualized rate. So from that side, it's very tough for me to really find anything else that comes close to that from an investment standpoint. Right, right. So you're now in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Georgia. What are your other growth plans for this segment? So there's there's currently about two or three other states that I'm, I'm looking at uh, pr- pretty closely that fit a similar mold uh, to these markets. Um, one of the states is South Carolina. Another state is Tennessee. Uh, again, they happen to be in the southeast and, and uh, bordering Georgia states, which is convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I'm in the process of um, uh, having meetings in South Carolina with some attorneys that are in Charleston that have uh, extensive experience there and um, seeing how that meeting goes and uh, um, looking at the, the sale history there to see what the market's been doing. And um, they also do annual auctions. It happens to be in the fall. Right. Which is good timing for me with Maryland being in the spring. Yep. So uh, November, December, October, October, November, December. I'll be looking into South Carolina's potential uh, next next good. expansion. Well, we look forward to exploring that with you. You know, also, even though these markets are underserved, they're fragmented. Um, they're somewhat state by state oriented. I know there are two companies. One in particular, I think, is National Vesta Holdings. Uh, could you? They're one. Of, don't they compete with you? Uh, they do not compete directly with me simply because I'm not in the same counties that they are in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are a big player in Fulton County mm-hmm. and um, have been very successful over the years. But the, the kind of the bidding strategy that they go through and the um, as high as they go to get those those lien certificates really is kind of out of my valley in terms of the strategy that I'm going after. Okay. So uh, I don't really see them in any of the other counties that I, I'm in in Georgia or, or in, in, frankly, in any of the other states that I'm in because I'm going after it from a different perspective. Right. You know, there might be a thousand properties on the bid list, but there's only 300 that I want to go after for my strategy. Right. Uh, whereas they're going after, you know, probably 800 of those. Yep. Yep. And I know that one of the large publicly traded debt bond companies, Encore, a few years ago purchased a company that specializes in purchasing tax liens, and I think it's in Texas, called Propel. That's right. Uh, and now, how does that one work? Because I think at one point you looked at Texas, but then you decided not to. I did look at Texas. So one of the attractive things about Texas is it's a 25% penalty, uh-huh. unlike Georgia that's 20. So that that got my attention right away. Right. Uh, there's a six-month redemption period there. The, the unique thing about Texas from all the other states is they passed state legislator there that allows the um, individual borrower or property owner to refinance their tax debt. And basically the lender is now essentially inheriting oh, the same rights okay. as an investor would. Okay. So what, what typically happens in Texas, and uh, I looked at this very closely with some partners down there, you know, you might have 1,200 properties that are delinquent that 
Uh, it's such an aggressive lending prospect that you've got multiple companies going, and Propel is one of them, right. uh, basically uh, prospecting those um, yep. property owners to say, look, we'll refinance your property taxes for you so that you don't yep. you know, get into trouble with it. Um, so what happens is by the time the auction comes around, you know, you might only have eight <laughs> properties left from that list of 1,200 because so many of them have mm-hmm. been able to refinance. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, it's actually a pretty good um, way to handle it. But in, this, in, this, in essence, you're basically offsetting the volume of handling those tax delinquent taxes now to right. basically lenders versus investors. Gotcha. Are there any, um, speaking of competition, are there any other big competitive threats to you in any of these states or are they more just sort of smaller competitors state by state or how how would you define your competitive threat a lot of them are going to be kind of the small and mid-sized folks that are going after the same niche that i'm going after. okay you know a lot of the institutional players a lot of the 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 large players that are putting a lot of money to work uh are going after it for a different reason they're they're you know their objective is to make sure they can get a four or five six percent return and um, a lot of the properties they aggressively go after, uh, I'm not really looking at in, in Maryland and D.C. and in Georgia. Uh-huh. Okay. And I would anticipate the same thing in some of the other states as well. Right. So going forward, I guess, then, how, how would you summarize kind of your opportunities and your, your threats for this, uh, this business? And Well, I think definitely the, the opportunities will continue as, as we look at all these different states and, and how each one is different and... Uh, it's a learning process, so I think it's still challenging. It takes a lot of time to kind of get in and and understand that market. And uh, I've spent time looking at probably five or six states where we didn't end up doing anything. So it's it's going to be a learning process, and it's going to take time, like anything else. But I think definitely the opportunity is going to be there to continue to add more states to the strategy and and to continue to grow with it. And on a kind of a final um, personal note, uh, what is it about? you know, this business and I guess the earlier one that you built that uh, helps Rich Monroe fulfill his his dreams and vision for him and his family in the future? Well, you know, I I think that everyone that's in, in the business world that's an entrepreneur ultimately has that as an end game uh, to basically be able to provide for your family, to be able to uh, have a good retirement and uh, pass some of those opportunities on to them. And this business allows me to, um, you know, I have three sons, um, Anthony, Colin, and Justin. And um, at some point, uh, I'd like all of them to, to have the option to be involved with this business. Um, Colin Monroe is already uh, very active with doing a lot of the inspections and participating in the auctions with me. Um, so it gives me some ability to kind of pass that on to yeah. them as mm-hmm. well as, as I kind of move away and, and, and uh, get less involved with it. Wow, so that's a, that's a nice way then to pass it on generation to generation. Absolutely. Um, yep. And and how are your boys, I mean, how, how are they reacting to participating in some of this with you? Do they like it and they're having fun? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. It's uh, all, all three of them have been involved at some point or the other, and um, they, they all seem to be very interested. It's an interesting process, and, uh, you know, a lot of different things happen at, in the different counties and the different auctions, and it's um, it's it's exciting business. So, yeah. 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 Well, in a way, it's almost like a sport too, isn't it? You know, competing in these auctions and um, maybe it's not physical, obviously, it's mental sport. How do you how do you out outbid with while at the same time making the returns that you need for your investors? It's kind of an interesting uh, interesting game. Yeah, no, definitely, and it, it's uh, 
you know, we talked about anxiety earlier, but it's not really anxiety. It's adrenaline. At every single auction you go to, no matter how many of these you go to, it's uh, always a rush, uh, right, uh, to participate while you're participating. So absolutely, yeah. And and, and I guess one other note on as we end this uh, show today on the Capital Club, any final comments on the capital, uh, your capital plans going forward, and the kind of capital you're going to need, and is it more of the same? Is it different? What? Well, you know, I'd like cheaper capital. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rich. Well, I'm glad the show's coming to you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Funny. I'm just I kidding. I think I think you guys have um, yeah. provided a, a very a very nice um, solution that has it's been very uh, easy for me to kind of grow in and expand in these other markets uh, with knowing that you guys are there to to, to support it. So. Um, I definitely look look forward to continuing uh, to, to, to grow. Well, as we said all along, Rich, it's not just a transaction. It's also it's the value add that, that frankly, you know, we, we like to provide to, to your company. And we, we learn a lot from you, too, in this space, actually. You know, it's, it's fun to grow with our customers. That's what we like to do, particularly in these kind of large, underserved, and very fragmented markets that are highly profitable. And, of course, a lot of fun for your retirement plan and my retirement plan as well. So Absolutely. So I look forward to many, many years to come. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Rich Monroe. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. 